Okay, so let me just get this recording starting. Let me see. Okay, it has started. In this episode of Madhouse, we speak to Jackie Namakari, a marketing professional, about the power of marketing and how she uses her superpowers to help businesses engage with customers and clients. Uh, so, hi, Jackie. How are you? <laughs> I've started recording. I am very well, Gabriel. How are you? I'm okay. So let's 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 just start. Uh, for those who don't know you, just introduce yourself. Uh, and yeah, and like and your superpowers and things like that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and I have vision. And uh, since lately, there have been all these remakes of all the DC and Marvel comic yeah, uh, heroes. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm imagining myself as some sort of hybrid between Wonder Woman and a couple of those others when you say superpowers. But I'm Jackie Namaro Kare. Yeah. I'm a marketing um, professional. Um, so I'm a, most of my career has been spent in in, uh, in marketing. So I'm a chartered marketer and a fellow of the Chartered Institute of Marketing. Okay. And uh, I've been privileged to work across a range of industries okay. and, and companies yeah. Uh, so, you know, starting out as a management trainee in Unilever, okay. then working my way through to do alcoholic beverages with Uganda Breweries, which is part of a Diageo group. Okay. And then uh, in telecoms with uh, Airtel when it was still called Celtel yeah. well, and okay. uh, Vodafone. Okay. And most of my career was spent in financial services with Stanbic Bank. Oh, nice. Uh, currently, I operate and uh, uh, own my own consulting firm okay. called Iguru Consult, where we do help uh, medium-sized businesses to basically see how they can leverage uh, and use marketing to grow profitably and sustainably. Okay. Uh, so we provide training services, we provide strategy development and support for implementation. Um, and I'm privileged to work with a group or a network of other specialists. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if you're coming to me for one thing, yeah. uh, because I'm plugged into the Business Networks International uh, Organization, yeah. uh, we have uh, I'm, I'm part of the Sunrise Chapter in Uganda. So I work with uh, a, about twelve, we are a twelve, a twelve, if you like, a man or woman group, yeah. uh, which is other business owners, and and together we can put together a comprehensive package for a business. Okay. Uh, nice. so that's what I'm doing professionally. Mm-hmm. Um, I am really passionate about developing the next generation of uh, professional marketers, and I emphasize the word professional. Yeah. So just like you wouldn't go to a doctor who is yeah. not qualified um, yes. and certified to get treatment, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we also want uh, businesses and organizations to look for you know professional uh, marketers to help them with their business. So I do work with the Uganda Marketers Society. I sit on the advisory council as a representative of the Chartered Institute of Marketing to make sure that we are grooming the next generation and providing ongoing support for practicing marketers um, in Uganda. And then with um, Project Girls for Girls, which is mentoring women and young ladies into uh, positions of leadership, getting them to stand up and... Yeah, that's nice. 
Um, what else? Um, I'm involved in Rotary International. I'm a young Rotarian with the Rotary Club of Kitante. Recently uh, this had, you're the chairman. States. Yes, so I'm president. Uh, I president, have. Um, president. That's what they're called, right? Presidents. Yes, uh, the only one time I can claim to be a president, I guess. <laughs> um, uh, the term is about to come to an end. We are very strict with some limits. So you get one year <laughs> after yeah. touch. Yeah. So mm -hmm. that will run until June of this year. Then I hand over to um, uh, the incoming president. Oh, that's and um, I am also. Um, uh, passionate about uh, diabetes, particularly mm -hmm. uh, diabetes in children. So yeah. we have a, a support group yeah. called Sugar Cubes, which we started about, oh, it's quite, about nine years ago, nine, ten years ago. And yeah. basically what we do is provide advocacy and uh, education services um, for, for families living with diabetes because kids wow. don't can't articulate for themselves yeah. um, and therefore uh, we need families and in any other well-wishers to be able to stand up and advocate for their rights especially health rights yes. uh, in the diagnosis uh, treatment and care of, of diabetes so ah, that's nice. yeah that's yeah, this, mean and I, you, you take that the, the, the record for the longest intro Intro, <laughs> like Madhouse podcast history. <laughs> also, uh, I'm, I'm very, there's something you said, and I really wanted to ask. Uh, I wanted to ask about. Uh, you said professional marketer, and I wanted to know what what exactly that means. Like the difference between like um normal marketer and like the pro marketer. Like, is there like subtle differences, or is there like a very big difference? Um, yes. Um, yeah. if I can draw an analogy from sport, uh, um, okay. boxing. Yes. You can be an amateur boxer or ah. you can be a professional boxer. Ah, okay. So at, at some level, all of us are amateur marketers. So okay. we all have some ideas, some thoughts about what we can do to get yeah. a product known in the market. Yeah. Um, those of us who are really creative, you can even create ads. Yeah. Um, and so there's that level of sort of intrinsic uh, marketing capability in everybody. Yeah. But the reason I emphasize professional is because yeah. now this is someone who is trained yeah, okay. and satisfied yeah, okay. uh, and ideally knows what they are doing in regards yeah. to marketing. We tend okay. to see the, the outputs of marketing. So people see ad campaigns, they see sponsorships, they see um, events, yeah. um, but they don't see the data analysis. They don't see the strategy. They yeah. don't see all the uh, planning okay. that goes yeah, behind the scenes yeah. to what you see in public or, and what we are exposed to. And, and now we've taken that idea a bit further okay. so i think in 2016 the chartered institute of marketing actually came up with a set of capabilities and competencies okay. that that make up what you would call a professional marketer so it's centered around having a core set then you have technical uh, you know cap capabilities okay. and now because you're also managing results through people we've also added some behavior competencies so it's not uh, enough okay. to just with your technical craft uh, you also okay. need to work things. you need to be able to collaborate you need to be able to influence you need to be able to negotiate you need to be able to uh, work across different cultures and markets and support you know diversity oh. and and all that uh, yeah. we see coming onto the agenda yeah. and of course now the big ticket thing that is the buzzword everywhere yeah. um how does all of that link into the esg agenda in terms of environmental social and governance issues yeah yeah, yeah. so that's why I say professional okay. and, and what 
the Uganda Marketers Society is doing is trying to get to the same level that we see with, say, the uh, accounting profession. Ah, okay. Um, okay. Where you actually start to provide a list of certified professional marketers. So when someone mm-hmm. is um, advertising and looking for con- um, for people to, to work in marketing, yeah. mm-hmm. you don't just pick anybody. Pick somebody, even if they're not quite there yet, yeah. but at least pick somebody who is on the journey to becoming a true marketing professional. Okay. So okay, so like for my listeners, it's basically a marketer with superhero, with superpowers, like with that extra source, like just yeah, like, yes. yeah. Okay, that's that's because when you said pro boxer, because pro boxers are normal boxers, but they have that extra thing going on. Uh, especially when you said yes. like like the pro boxer knows how to negotiate his contracts. Pro boxer knows how to market himself and leverage mm-hmm. uh, other opportunities around boxing. So I. I think it's it just it's just that extra, like almost like extra effort, on top of just like normal yeah. old old amateur marketing that we all know, but then just adding this other extra layer, which I think is very intriguing. So I wanted to know, did you like how did you get into marketing? Like how did this all start? Like were you like born and you're like guys, I am going to try to get people to connect with people's products and ideas and like, or were you was it a gradual thing um yeah a lot of people are shocked when i say i come into marketing by accident uh, okay. um, uh, so i was actually doing my mba and okay. um and um i i part of the the courses that you must do that are mandatory yeah. uh you have to do, you have to do marketing mm. and because coincidentally my a uh, bachelor's degree was in social science and one of the subjects that I had taken was sociology. Somehow yeah. the penny dropped for me yeah. and I began to make connections between what marketing does and what yeah. I had studied in, in sociology around understanding human behavior. Yeah. Mm. So I, I was intrigued um, and I think being in a, in a class where um, full-time students like myself were the minorities. So this, this was a very... Um, business should I, should I say oriented programs so okay. most of the students were people who were working full-time okay. and so our class in, in in the evening yeah. and for me it was really uh, I can say eye-opening in the sense that whatever we were learning in terms mm. of theory and concepts and frameworks mm. you would get a live um, application by people saying no okay that that's all very well and good that's what that person thought when they came up with this theory but this is the reality of how We've tried that out in our business and it hasn't worked for the yeah. following reasons. Mm. Uh, and so that really got me, you know, I began thinking, mm, maybe this is something I can get into. Yeah. So my interest was sort of peaked in, in, in during the MBA program. Okay. And as I was completing the program, uh, a friend of mine who had joined Unilever Uganda said, oh, you know what? Uh, they're looking for management trainees. Yeah please send your paperwork. So once yeah. I returned within a month or so of, of returning, I was sitting yeah. interviews and, and I was recruited with Unilever and as they say, the rest is history. Ah, nice. uh, so that's how I got into marketing. Ah, so it wasn't were... a decision. It was just a happy coincidence. <laughs> yeah. And also like how you connected like your sociology background to like to business and saying, oh wait, these two things can, can live in the world of like marketing. And yes. Like, 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 just give you again, like those super, super pass. <laughs> <Since, laughs> yeah. 
Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very interested. I mean, like, you know, this is the Creative Asylum podcast. So, like, the conversations about, like, creativity and, like, problem solving. Um, I'm, I'm very fascinated to find out, like, like that's, I wish you could just share, like, maybe two short stories. But, like, just understanding, like, uh, the from your perspective, like, where you see where marketing either has really gone south or, like, really just, uh, like, not really solved the problem as intended. And then another side where, like, the, 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 the ability to problem solve with marketing to actually achieve business goals or organizational agendas and goals um, and, like, how you experience with both uh, and, like, what you think uh, made going forward, like, what do you think the problems were in the both uh, scenarios? Okay, so I'll probably start with something that didn't work out. So yes, I yeah. had been given an assignment to go and do a market assessment of a, a, a particular product, um, which was a combination of a bar soap and, and washing powder all in one. Okay. And the idea was that um, our typical washing habits are that we put a washing powder, we are not very good at following the instruction to soak first for a yeah. period of time. So mm. people tend to start washing immediately. Yeah, okay. And then um, for the things that are difficult to remove, then they apply uh, a piece of bar soap and, and try and you know, yeah. add additional okay. soap and wash that out. Mm. Yeah. Uh, now the science for most of the washing powders now is that they have um, ingredients. Yeah. Some of them use enzymes, some of them use other, other chemicals. And they, yeah. the whole point of soaking is to get the enzymes to draw the dirt out of the fibers in the cloth so that you don't have to do a lot of, of work. You know, okay. mm. don't have to do a lot of work. So the yeah. work gets done. Yeah, that's nice. So So this particular product was basically a bar, uh, like a single piece of a bar soap, but it yeah. was unique in the sense that it had both washing powder and bar soap uh, okay. built into one. So mm. on paper, it looked like a really good idea. I mean, who, yeah. want, who wouldn't want to have this value? Yeah. Um, in the one product. Yeah. Um, so I w- spent time in, in uh, Masindi for about yeah. maybe two months, yeah. just going around and s- observing how people wash their clothes, handing out samples yeah. um, and seeing how that worked. And yeah. it was interesting that um, while the customers said, yeah, this is a really good idea, but, n- n- you know, thanks, but no thanks. Um, yeah. I still need my washing powder and my bar soap separate. Why? Yeah. because the bar soap is multi-purpose. I can uh, wash clothes, I can wash oh. dishes, I can bathe with it, yeah. I can clean with it. Yeah. Mm. If you put the two things together, then I will not be able to do, for example, the bathing. Uh, okay. Yeah. That would be too harsh for my yeah. skin. So I'm yeah. going to lose functionality yeah. because it's a combined product. Yeah. And and sort of I came back and, and wrote my report and said, look, it's it's it, it's like a, it seems like a good idea. Yeah. But the customers' habits around yeah. washing clothes and cleaning their homes are basically telling us that this is not something that will work for Uganda. And at the time, um, the the leadership felt yeah. very strongly that this, you know, it has worked elsewhere in the world in similar yeah. conditions like Uganda. So yeah. they went and imported a whole lot of, of, of this stuff. And of course, yeah. it, it didn't move. Yeah. It was a total flop. So uh, I think sometimes for creativity... Yeah. We have to remove our egos uh, and okay. ourselves and okay. create for for the customer. Okay. And and the one thing I've not seen happening enough, maybe in our Ugandan context, yeah. is is learning how to co-create with our customers. We tend to push things at them instead of creating with them. Ah, uh, okay. Um, okay. That's, I understand. That's mm. 
yeah, that's not the norm. Um, I, I will give you the example of maybe people who are what I would consider to be the perfect co-creators. Yeah. Mm. Someone who is a makeup artist. Ah, okay. When I sit in front of the mirror, yeah. Uh, yeah. we have a discussion. Yes. I tell you, this is the function I'm going to attend. This is the kind of look that I'm going for. Yeah. Um, maybe I have attended this function before. So assuming you're an MC or somebody like that, who people yeah. see on a regular basis, yeah. mm. you have to have a series of different looks to cater yeah. to the function, yeah. the audience. Is it going yeah. to be telecast live? Yeah. Is it going to be recorded? Yeah. How long do I need to be on stage? How hot yeah. is it going to be? You know, yeah. all those things. And you have this discussion. Yes. And for most, if you're dealing with a, a really professional makeup artist, they will actually yeah. come and encourage you to try out several looks before yeah. you decide what you want to do for that particular event. Mm. So that's like a perfect co-creation around creativity okay. where there's a give and take between the service provider and the client or the customer. Ah, okay. Well, now, person... we don't see that happening mainstream in business generally. Mm. We normally say, hey, customer, yeah. Yeah, I hear you. I know this is what you want, but yeah, this is what I've got. So take it or leave it. Ah, okay. And I guess um, and, and I think yes. So we need to work backwards and say, okay, we we've gone out, we've had a chat, we've understood your needs. Yeah. Internally, we have the capability to reproduce or to produce for you this product or service. Yeah. And then test it out and see what works and doesn't work. I think Starbucks is another a company that does a lot of seasonal co-creation. Okay. So around things like Thanksgiving, Christmas, um, I don't know, Halloween and whatnot, they come mm-hmm. up with special limited edition coffees, yeah. and these are not user generated. So there's always okay. this competition okay. for people to come up with different combinations of flavors. And okay. if in the uh, what they call test tasting, yeah. the ones that are the winners are actually then replicated throughout their their stores, uh, okay. and you get credit. As a as a customer who suggested it, that this this particular like the pumpkin spice latte yeah. is is one of those which became it came out of one of these user generated ah, okay. um, okay. uh, co creation yeah. efforts yeah. and has since become a staple. So every year around Halloween, mm. Thanksgiving, there is all there is that period when they will serve um, that that particular drink. Uh, okay, so like almost like uh, like what maybe like Cafe Java tries to do with like its uh, customers, trying to like really like co-create with them, as you're saying, of like really listening to the customer and saying, I think we're going to make something tailored to your needs as compared mm-hmm. to to like when they did that big on breakfast thing and they realized a lot of people come to work really late and they haven't eaten breakfast and like saying, okay, what if we did something that tailors to people's breakfasts? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh, but I get what you're saying when you say that like a lot of things feel forced and you're like, hey, I didn't ask for that. And it's like, this is what I have. And mm. it's like it's like the businesses and the service providers like live in a bubble and then just come and say, here, it's that mm-hmm. this is what is good for you. But you're like, I'm not sure. It's not what I, it's, yeah. Yeah, so what I asked for. In pay TV services, where yeah. you, you, are, you have a fixed bouquet, yeah. So there are different tiers or different levels that you can yeah. subscribe to. Yeah. Um, but that entire model has now been completely disrupted by the Netflixes of yeah. this world, <laughs> the yeah. Amazon Prime videos, yeah. the Hulu yeah. and the series, yeah. because then I get to pick and choose what I like. Yeah. And because the companies which um did a lot of digital innovation on the back end, yeah. their artificial intelligence and machine learning uh, capability. Yeah. 
I mean, once you, you've watched something or you've bought something, say, off Amazon, that yeah. algorithm just probably knows Sends you. Sends you another one. You know. yeah. Okay. <laughs> yes. yeah. So it just keeps you constantly uh, fed or provided with all these uh, cues to buy, but it is based on what you have expressed interest in. So that's like the perfect example of listening to the customer and actually giving them more of what they want yeah. as opposed to and forcing them to take what you have because that's what you want to sell. Ah, uh, okay, I understand. Okay, uh, so think about if you went, well, how good would life be if I could go to a bank and create my own hybrid product? Ah, uh, okay, or your own version of a bank account yes, that suits your, your needs. Version. You give me a plug and play kind of environment. So yeah. you give me a, a menu, and I pick and choose the things that I I want. I'm not going to squibble about the price. Why? Because it's what I want. Now, if it's going to come at a premium, but it is yeah. truly what I want, yeah. I that doesn't even occur to me. Price not, is not an issue when you're creating value. Yeah. And I think creativity needs to, to move from, when people, when we say creative, especially in the marketing sense, people think yeah. about ads. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Creativity is, is more than that. It's about being able to analyze data. It's about being able to figure out what your customers want and, and deliver an experience that they're looking for. So it's, it's a much broader, I think it, it needs to be applied to a much broader spectrum yeah. as opposed to just the typical application. Yeah. We may have just given banks the best business idea ever. The, the, the bank no. you walk into and you can cook your own bank account <laughs> based on your needs. Uh, and if any bank is listening, they should just like apply and go and win. Uh, yeah, so, but if you're right, please comes to me. <laughs> yeah, uh, everything comes to Jack Namara royalties. I don't know all those things. Uh, I wanted to know uh, now the, the a, a success story because you just shared the, you need the, the story with the soap. Uh, but I wanted to share uh, in your experiences, like where you have actually applied and it has actually, where you're, where you're saying you're actually listening and like, and, and you've seen like the impact of actually listening to uh, a customer. Customers. And, yeah. um, two, two things kind of jump out at me. Um, yeah. One was, uh, I think for me, the biggest one was when we handled the initial public offer for Sunbeak Bank, opening okay. up to uh, retail investors. Okay. Typically, when a Ugandan thinks about an asset, they think yeah. about animals, they think about land, they think about some sort of building. Yeah. <laughs> now, trying to convince somebody to hand over their hard-earned cash yeah. for this paper intangible thing called a share. <laughs> yes. Hmm. Yeah, was it was quite the uphill task. But we said, look, there is the only way that we can demonstrate value is to to convince them that there is another way that you can um, generate and create wealth yeah. with something which is not a physical sort of tangible thing that you can see, touch, and feel that will yeah. still deliver value and perhaps even much better value than what you're familiar with. Yeah. Hmm. So we had to go around the country explaining. Yeah what shares were, uh, this was done in conjunction with the Uganda Securities Exchange and the Capital Markets Authority because there's that uh, investor yeah. education must come before you do an IPO. Okay. But it was also a fantastic opportunity for us to expose the country to what the brand stood for. So what are you yeah. actually buying? When yeah. you put your money on for a share, you know, you see the, the, the branches, you see the, the ATMs, you see our staff, yeah. um, but what is it that you're actually buying into? Um, yeah. and, and at that particular time, we were saying, look, you're buying into an, into an institution that is about 
helping you to grow your dreams, whether it's at yeah. a personal level or a, a, at a business level, and mm. then tell that to country. And because we are part of a, a group, we can also help you realize dreams at a continent level or even a global level, because um, on the back end of that, at group level, yeah. there was um, the international Chinese, uh, ICBC, a Chinese okay. bank, okay. had bought shares group. And yeah. so now there was this access to China. Yeah. Um, so we had to package that entire story and sell it and say, come buy our shares. Now, that was fantastic because as we went on the road and began to understand what people needed in terms of information, yeah. we kept speaking and adjusting the message um, ah, okay. to suit mm. what retail mm. and institutional investors yeah. were looking for. Yeah. Um, so I think to this date, I don't think there's been any other IPO that has been oversubscribed to the level. I think we were almost over 250% subscribed when nice. we went to that. Uh, so nice. that's, that's for me is an example of, of where you take the creativity just beyond advertising messages yeah. and really to the heart of what do we want. We want to sell you a way that you can have a piece of a very profitable organization, which yeah. doesn't just support you, but it supports the whole country. Uh, okay. some okay. So you're connected to this much bigger picture. So I'm a shareholder and, yeah. and proud to be one because yeah. I know that the institution that I've invested in is not just giving me a dividend yeah you know um, yeah. but i i also get to see how they impact lives and yeah. and that's that's something that's important to me as an investor okay. um the that's other one i can think of is one that came much earlier in my career when i was with the unilever uh we launched royco um okay. onto the market and that was my, my first big project okay where you're told okay here this product yeah, yeah. We want Ugandans to embrace it, and you're thinking, okay, this is my do or die project. Um, <laughs> how 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 well I survive in this organization depends so, on on the success since, since, of since the superhero. <laughs> that's your origin story. <laughs> exactly, um, but it was a fantastic experience because we we first went and spent time just understanding how do people cook yeah. their meals. Yeah. And we looked at the broad spectrum from someone in their home to people yeah. in, who are in restaurants and, yeah. and a whole spectrum of restaurants from what you we call Toninina, where it's in a back alley somewhere yeah. and you're sitting on a bench. Yeah. But that can be some of the tastiest food that you'll ever have. So we looked at a broad spectrum of, of home cooks and if you like commercial cooks in, yeah. cooking in a variety yeah. of situations. Yeah. Mm. And, yeah. and then in that we said, okay, so where can we get the most believability because yeah. if i go and launch this with executive chefs in three and five star hotels no one is ever yeah. going to take it up yeah so we said okay when people don't eat at home and it's yeah. not in a fancy restaurant where do they eat and it turned out most people were eating in markets yeah. because it's accessible it's quick it's convenient yeah mm. so we said okay the people who are going to help us to push the credibility of this product are mm. the ladies who are in the market so that became mm. our core audience okay. that we were selling to. yeah and so we, we went across the country and we had a series of, of road shows that provided an edutainment um, format. Okay. And it was the, the, the thing was a very simple one. We, we would go to the market ladies and say, okay, in this market, who is, who is recognized as the best cook? Yeah. Mm. And so we would say, okay, we want you to give us beans. Yeah. Give us a typical bean dish. And then yeah. we would do before Royco and after Royco. Yeah. And we mm. would do a blind test. So you'd call people up from the audience and tell them, okay, test this. This is sample one. Yeah. Test, tell us what you think about it. Yeah. Then here is sample two. Yeah. 
And in all those tests, Royko was always the one that tested better than the one without Royko. Royko. Mm. Now, and because it was not us who had cooked the food, yeah. it was food which was coming from someone who was recognized in the location. Yeah. Um, and they could see that nothing had been added beforehand. And then yeah. they could see when add, this is how it, it transforms. Yeah. There was that possibility and believability. And then once mm. we had done that, yeah. Whoever was in the audience yeah. would then get a small, like a couple of, of sachets to go try this out at home. Ah, okay. Now they knew how to apply it. Yeah. Uh, and then we would uh, go and sell into the nearby um, outlets. So your okay. kiosks, your dukas, whatever mm. retail outlets uh, where people yeah. frequently purchase their day-to-day commodities, we would make yeah. sure we sold in some initial stock. And then we would move to the distributor servicing that particular area and say, look, we've just created for you a whole bunch of demand yeah. plus an order of X uh, amount of units okay. to test because now you will have people coming asking, asking for, for mm. product because we've gone and, and proved that it's a product that works. Yeah. So that one was a, a good one about sort of first getting out there and understanding what's going on yeah. and then thinking, how do we, how do we create a, a believable solution yeah. that will actually bring in sales because it's uh-huh. one thing to, you can have a very fantastic execution but it yeah. doesn't generate any sales for yeah. you uh, okay. um, and so the budget that we had so i think for the first two years or so record yeah. didn't have any money on radio or television wow it was in road shows stocking up the trade yeah. uh, you know distribution chain yeah. and doing some uh, merchandising and, and uh, shop painting yeah mm. That was it, because that's all the money that there was. But that that's how that brand was built, nice. to what you now see uh, ah, today. Wow. Okay, that's, that's really interesting. Um, that's very uh, interesting. So also, so as we, I mean, we're coming to the close of the podcast, coming to the end, and the end, the, the, the grand finale battle between Jackie and the evil warlord. Uh <laughs> Yeah, I think I'm just gonna keep this superhero theme. I think your intro might change the music to like, like, like some like Avengers like theme music. <laughs> kind of thing. Okay. Yeah, I'm just like in this episode of the Madhouse turn to turn, like something like that. Anyway, the the last thing that I usually ask every guest before we end the podcast is that in all the the cool things that you've been up to and all the amazing marketing projects you've been up to and, and, and like the things you've been up to, what's the life lesson, like one life lesson that um, you want to leave the listeners with that you think they can do without in case we have bored them for the past like 40 minutes? <laughs> yeah, like at least they, they'll skip to the end and be like, yeah, at least Jackie taught us to give us a piece of like wisdom or like insight uh but something that you've learned from your all your years in an experience in like in the marketing world yeah okay so um i would say don't be afraid to experiment especially Mm -hmm. when you're younger um i know my dad used to despair every time i'd come and say hi uh, dad i i just wanted to let you know i'm I'm shifting i'm I'm moving to another company and he's like what's wrong with you why can't you settle in one place because earlier in my career, the average, my average lifespan was about two, two and a half years before I would move to another company. Oh, right. And at the time, I didn't understand um, how that would serve me later in life. For mm-hmm. me, it was always about where can I go and test myself out? Where can I go and push myself a little bit further? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So it was maybe more of a subconscious thing and not so much of a conscious thing, but uh, that's something which I would say, take the time earlier in your career to, to experiment with different organizations, different assignments. Yeah. Uh, don't be afraid to, to, to try out new things uh, mm-hmm. because that's how you, you will learn what you're passionate about and, and what, what, what makes it, I guess, what makes you tick maybe at a career level. But also it will serve you later in life because now when I look at the networks that I built by working all in all those different places, places yeah. Um, yeah. I have a network of, of former colleagues that are now also quite spread out. Yeah. Um, and, and therefore it's, it provides, I think, for a much more enriched experience, not just mm. in the workplace, but also mm. in life. Yeah, um, and that's, that's something I would I would encourage people. You know, try out new things, yeah. uh, and sometimes it, it doesn't have to be even work related. You might be growing in career, but you you have you feel like you're missing something in your life. So it might be that you've always done uh, you've always taken uh, photographs, for example. Yes, there is no reason why you can't do go and do like a, a photography course. And and having access to digital platforms and going online, there's so many free or subsidized courses that are available for you to actually go and experiment with this natural, if you like, uh, interest you have in a a particular area. Mm -hmm. And it's really just to explore whether this is something you could turn into a business opportunity or whether it's just something you want to do for your own enjoyment. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I get it. So just don't be afraid to experiment. And it's easier to experiment if if in, in work because then you probably won't have the obligations of, family and children and expenses that come you know with, with yeah. growing up yeah. and, mm. and so you have a lot more i think disposable income to play with a lot of things so yeah be bold and courageous and and, and try stuff out yeah okay that's nice that's nice awesome uh thank you so much for chatting with us hanging out uh, i think we should do more of this i think i think we'll do like a marketing master class <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> anytime, anytime. How to be a superhero. Like I think that's what you call it. That's like I'm already learning some clever tricks, catchphrases. How to be a superhero. I think that's what we call it. But thank you so much, Jackie, for your time. Um I think this is the end of the podcast. Um it's been nice catching up for this for link up at some point. 